George McEncrow with you again. Welcome to the Moolah Podcast for conversations that don't come cheap, bringing you the best of the chats from our show. Moolah is all things money, how we look after it, how we grow it, how we thrive it, how we survive it. How does it make the world go around? What would you do if you found out that your super fund was funding the tobacco industry? Well, for Dr. Bronwyn King, the answer was simple, change it. After realising that her super funds were wrapped in big tobacco, oncologist Dr. King founded tobacco-free portfolios. Now every super fund in Australia and some beyond Australia are proudly tobacco-free because of Dr. King's courage and perseverance. It's all about the money. Come on. Find out what it's all about today. The story of how I got involved is a... A very odd one, really, because I'm a radiation oncologist by background and um, mm. and prior to accidental discovery about my own superannuation fund, I had no real knowledge at all about superannuation or the finance sector or how the finance sector and investments even worked. So it was it was back in 2010 where I arranged an appointment with the representative for the super fund for all the healthcare workers at mm. the Peter McCallum Cancer Centre in Melbourne where I was working. I was a specialist um, radiation oncologist there. Even the discussion itself wasn't about investments and where the superannuation was being invested. It was really about how much money I had and how much money I'd be able to, to borrow so that I could buy a house. And um, and after a very bland conversation, <laughs> meeting ended and it was only an afterthought that I rushed back to the table where I'd been meeting this man and I, I said to him, oh, by the way, was I meant to tell you what to do with that money? And he said, no, 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 you don't need to worry about anything. It's all taken care of for you. You're invested in the default option. Uh, and when he said the word option, I sort of picked it up and said, oh, option, does that, does that mean there are other options apart from the default option? And that elicited rolled eyes and um, <laughs> sort of sighed and I could just see him thinking, oh, gosh, you know, what an annoying question. He, he sort of said, look, um, there there are a few special greeny options for people who have a problem investing in mining alcohol or tobacco. Oh, so you became not an oncologist but a but a sort of a troublemaker and a greenie all of a sudden. Well, it felt it did feel like that just in that moment. And when I heard him say the word tobacco, I just paused and I said, well, are you telling me I'm currently investing in tobacco? <sighs> and he said, oh, look, don't worry about it. Everybody is. It's completely normal and, you know, we'll take care of it. And, uh, so there you are as an oncologist mm-hmm. who uh, you're seeing the effects of tobacco consumption every day in all your patients, uh, studying this, reading the journals, tracking the demise and then the influx of tobacco products and trying to think, oh, you know, that's your day job. And then at night you're going to be profiteering from it through your super fund. Well, you summed it up very nice. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much it. And I think... It's worth mentioning that the very first job I had after medical school was working for three months on the lung cancer ward at this very hospital, Peter McCallum Cancer Centre. And as as is widely understood, uh, the vast majority of lung cancer is due to tobacco. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, the outcomes for lung cancer are not great. And most patients that I treated back then um, didn't survive their disease. And many of them were dying in their 40s and 50s. They were leaving behind teenagers and families and wonderful lives that should have had many more decades to them. And um, 
And really seeing that up close made me fully appreciate the terrible impact of tobacco. Obviously, everybody knows tobacco is bad, but when you really see these patients up close, it's not nice. No, there there was that wonderful commercial I remember ages ago by the quick campaign saying, you know, this is your oncologist, this is your radiologist, this is the person who does your chemo and you, and they're lovely people but you don't want to meet them quit nope. smoking. And I remember that ad and I was thinking, wow, that that is that was a really powerful commercial. But also like for you, it was almost like an incidental find, if you like, to use a medical term that you were just doing your super for an entirely other purpose and then you stumble across this link between your lived experience and your mission in life as a as a medical practitioner and then where your money's going yeah that's it and it really felt just so disappointing to think that my own money was undermining everything I was doing to try to help patients. But also I very quickly understood that it wasn't just my money. It was the money of virtually every Australian with superannuation, which of course is is everybody of a working age. Mm. And then I realised it wasn't just Australia. It was the whole global superannuation and pension sector. And then I realised it wasn't just pensions, it was banking and insurance and investments in general. And the whole finance sector was really stuck back decades ago in a way that hadn't moved on from tobacco in the same way that, for example, we can't smoke in restaurants anymore because the restaurant sector sort of moved on. We don't smoke on planes anymore because the the aviation sector moved on. School teachers don't smoke anymore, certainly not in schools, and that's because the education sector moved on. You don't smoke in hospitals anymore because they've moved on. So every other part of society had moved on. But I realised that the finance sector had been left out of that conversation. And so there was this incredible opportunity to see if we could build a bit of a bridge, a new bridge between the health sector and the finance sector on this missing piece of tobacco control. Uh, It's an extraordinary thing to have uncovered and quite terrifying really because it then makes me at least start to think, God, I've been so slack. I mean, and this is the other thing, right, this is what they're depending on is people not looking. Like you were there as a busy doctor trying to buy your home. That is a lot for anybody by anybody's measure. Um, I don't know if you had kids at the time or not, but, you know, they're sort of depending on people being so busy that we don't get into the granular detail we do think oh well, that's all right it's in my super I can just leave set and forget and as long as I remember to carry the details over of my last super fund um she'll be right but you know you did dig a bit deeper almost by accident yeah well it was entirely by accident and I think the good news is certainly for your listeners out there that the whole sort of sentiment around transparency and investment has completely changed in the 13 years since that first conversation I had. So back then it was considered a bit unusual to even question or ask mm. where my money was being invested and even expressing an opinion was thought as thought right. of as a bit odd. But especially now a pretty especially a pretty little lady who already had a medical, you know, like mm-hmm. enough now, lady. Sit down, sit down, girls. It and was. don't question the big men in the suits because we know what we're doing and you just go off and do your thing. Well it did it did seem like a little bit of uh, sort of a little bit like that where mm. um, even early on people who <laughs> years after I started having conversations with the finance sector at a very high level and 
first of all with my super fund and then with many others, years later some people did come back to me and confess that early on they were just humouring me having the conversations and then then when they thought through it they did actually think that what I was saying was quite reasonable and then they thought they might actually change and then they did change and they felt very good about it. Yeah. <laughs> and then they thought, actually, we could go back and tell her that after all it was worth it. So I think the other just to mention is that this work has been done in very good spirit. So I set up an organisation, it's called Tobacco Free Portfolios, and we do work in good spirit with finance leaders. And in the in your intro, you, you mentioned you said I forced superannuation companies or superannuation uh. companies to go tobacco free, but I should say that really we have formed uh, really authentic partnerships with many big financial institutions and really help them move forwards on a tobacco-free journey and implement a sustainable finance framework with a tobacco exclusion in place. Mm. And overwhelmingly finance leaders feel very proud to have made that decision and um, are very pleased to have been part of the process. I I don't doubt that. I just think it's whenever anyone comes up with something that is, you know, you're not in the finance sector, you're not somebody who's worked in insurance, you're not coming in with a massive data set to show that this would be better for their bottom line if they were to move into a more, you know, tobacco-free set of funds. Like, it, it... you, they sort of you sort of have to be the little mouse that sort of nibbles away and nibbles away and nibbles away to get some you know for, for it to be worth them taking you seriously and taking what you've said and and I'm sure that your experience at um, Peter Mac yes. really helped with that because you are visually seeing and experiencing every day the outcome of supporting tobacco, you know, and where it leads people. Yeah. And look, early on, I didn't have much other than the stories, the patient stories and sort of the principle of the discussion. But soon I learned that I had to be far more savvy and I had to learn a lot about finance and learn the language, learn the regulatory environment, understand what the potential barriers were and the potential solutions. And once I started building up that knowledge base and that language and financial literacy, I was then able to craft arguments that I certainly think are far more robust than they were back then. So that now we certainly talk a lot about the financial risk of investing in tobacco. We talk about the regulatory risks, the litigation risks, the environmental risks, the reputation risks, Mm. um, the supply chain risks with enormous reliance on child labour in the supply chain for tobacco. The, The big one at the moment, though, is in fact the environmental risk. And uh, we just had a celebration about a pledge called the Tobacco Free Finance Pledge. It's now been in existence for five years. We, I'm just back from uh, the UN General Assembly in New York where we had an event on the sidelines of the General Assembly celebrating five years of the pledge. And the theme was there's no room for tobacco in a net zero world. And that's based around the fact that cigarette filters are, in fact, the number one ocean plastic. Um, 5% of all trees felled for deforestation, 5% are chopped down to burn underneath hanging tobacco leaves to cure the tobacco. I had no idea about that. I would have no idea. How would you have any idea? I mean, this is the kind of um, really alarming environmental impacts of tobacco that I must admit I didn't know about really very much until quite recently. But in addition to all of that, uh, it it all adds up to a financial risk. And, in fact, tobacco-free funds, many tobacco-free funds have outperformed funds with tobacco over, um, you know, the the last three, five and ten-year periods, depending on sort of which 
um, which comparisons you want to make. So there are many, many reasons why you might consider going tobacco-free, but we certainly do appeal to um, all those working in the field of sustainable finance to really embed tobacco-free as a fundamental foundation. was Dr Bronwyn King, founder and CEO of Tobacco Free Portfolios, talking about how she changed the world. This is just one of the many interviews I do every day. If you want more, catch me live on air Monday to Friday, 9 till 11am on DAB Plus and online at disrupt.radio. Moolah, moolah, moolah. A new way of talking about money.